Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We're facing new disruptions to our supplies. There's no relief in sight. They're paying a whole lot more. And shortages will persist well into next year. Please state your name, spell and your last name for the record. Kyle Rittenhouse. No, I never wanted to shoot Mr. Rosenbaum. As the president moves to the tomb of the unknown soldier to place the reef. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. And welcome in on this 11th day of the 11th month. It is Veterans Day. We salute our veterans, many of whom listen to this program, and we thank you for that. I thought, what could I say on this Veterans Day? And I found someone who said it much, much better. She's been making the news of late. Winston Sears, who is the new lieutenant governor of the state of Virginia, the lieutenant governor-elect, I should say. Uh, She was on Fox News earlier today, and they asked her to share her thoughts as she and her husband are both Marine veterans. We have a constitution, but if you don't have a good defense force to defend your country, then the constitution isn't going going to matter. Because if you're overrun by the enemy, the enemy simply rips up our Constitution, and that's it. The Marine Corps saved me, literally, because when my grandmother died, I, I just was floundering. Uh, you know, she was my world, my paternal grandmother. And I was supposed to go to college that August, but she died that July. And I needed a reason to live. And the Marine Corps did that for me. It gave me the discipline that I needed to continue. And then it taught me so much about leadership. You have to earn leadership, as Mm. you've heard, uh, maybe, that if you are thinking you're the leader but nobody's following you, then you're just taking a walk. I saw leaders in action when, for example, one one day we were having an IG inspection. It's a huge inspection. You always want to pass it. It's massive. It's the whole base. And we were working such long hours, and the warrant officer came out and encouraged us to continue but he got more out of us that night than before because mm. he took off his uniform, put on his, his uh, utilities, and got to work, got dirty. And I learned so much about leadership there. And then, you know, I'm a small woman. But when you have rank, then you move in that authority. But with that authority comes responsibility. And you have to take care of your troops. So you, you just learn so much. And it's not just the Marine Corps. It's all of our services. My husband and I were both Marines, and when we saw the pullout from Afghanistan, no rhyme, no reason, and you just say to yourselves, who's in charge? Where is our commander-in-chief? Because that would be President Biden. And he took no responsibility for any of it. That's not what a leader does. A leader acknowledges that they made a mistake. You can follow someone like that because you know they've got your back. You know that they've learned from the mistake and they're going to try their very best to make sure it doesn't happen again. You're putting your life on the line. You're you're giving your all to the country and you expect that it won't be taken lightly. Your life, your sacrifice, the sacrifice that your family back home is making so that you don't have to come back in a box because of somebody making a mistake making a political decision, making a decision to fulfill a promise where where there was no 
There was no effort in it. The men and women who fought these wars say to themselves, to what end did I fight? For what purpose? They're using our equipment against us. They're using our technology against us. They're walking in our boots, in our uniforms. And, and what does our commander in chief say? That it's somebody else's fault. You gotta have the people who have put their lives on the line for the country. You've gotta, you've gotta care about them. And we did not see that. And even though we're not in the, in, in the Marine Corps anymore, in the military anymore, you always feel that. You just know the service that you've given, that your, your family has given as well. And you want them to care because remember, we always think about Vietnam. I was not during the Vietnam era, but you always think about how the men and women were treated when they came back from Vietnam. They were spat on. There was no respect for their, their lives, the limbs, you know, that they gave. You, you saw someone's head blown off. You, you saw bodies blown to bits in front of you. We used to call that in my grandfather's day, shell shock, and we didn't understand it, but we yeah. do now. And the fact that we're still suffering from Agent Orange issues, the fact that we, we have water issues now that we found in Camp Lejeune where the you know babies have been born possibly with, with right. de birth defects because of that. You know, you want to be taken care of because you want to take care of the country yourself. That's why you join. That's why you serve. Winston Sears, the new lieutenant governor-elect of the state of Virginia, she and her husband are both uh, Marine vets. Uh, always faithful, and uh, the point she's making, it's its malfeasance that any of our vets are not provided for. You know, there's an article out of Time magazine that the number of calls into suicide lines for vets continues to increase. And on this Veterans Day, I'm not looking to place blame, but many of those calls, and this is acknowledged by the Biden administration, many of those calls have been prompted by what happened in Afghanistan. As the lieutenant governor just said, all the work, all the sacrifice, the loss of life, the loss of limbs, and this president simply hands it all over to the enemy. So, veterans, I salute you, and uh, I would encourage our uh, government. Of all, I mean, we have a government, we have a president right now that is proposing to hand $450,000 to illegals who crossed the border illegally because they might have gotten separated from a son or a daughter or a family member. Well, first of all, how are you going to prove that? Secondly, uh, why, why is it just when that happened under the Trump administration? Why, why isn't the Biden administration going to look at the Obama administration, when they were the ones that were caging up kids. But set that aside. Why are we giving anything to anybody that is not an American citizen until we first make sure that our vets are provided for? By the way, the best line of the day. <laughs> and now you know why Winsome Sears won that race. She... <laughs> She managed to say, with, without jabbing the president too hard, lines like, if you think you're a leader but nobody's following you, then you're just taking a walk. Joe, she's talking about you, buddy. <laughs> anyway, happy Veterans Day. We salute our vets. And we'll play political trivia in a little bit. And your category today is Veterans Day.
So now we have members of the North Carolina judicial branch as well as the executive branch taking over the duties that are left exclusively in our Constitution for the legislative branch. What am I talking about? Well, one of the stories we talked about yesterday, as Josh Stein, the attorney general, is uh, hanging, uh, handing out goodies from this slush fund. I mean, it wasn't intended to be a slush fund, but it has ended up being a slush fund for the attorney general. Uh, again, back in July of 2000, when then attorney general Mike Easley reached an agreement with the hog giant Smithfield Foods and its subsidiaries, subsidiaries, I should say, among the agreement's um, details was a commitment to provide up to $2 million a year for 25 years for environmental enhancement activities. And uh, our Supreme Court has ruled that those kind of disbursements come through the legislature. And, uh, you know, Benny was asking some great questions yesterday. How, how do you even set up a—how does Josh Stein even set up a bank account? How does he get an ID number to set up in a bank account? And who's writing the checks? Who's signing the checks? The Josh Stein can hand out, as he did earlier this week down in, in New Bern, handing out money hand over fist. Well, now, today—so that was the executive branch—today we have the retired Union County judge, Superior uh, Court Judge David Lee, who's retired, county judge— He is leapfrogging the Republican-led North Carolina General General Assembly and ordering a $1.7 billion transfer from the state coffers to fund public education. Again, this is the the Leandro case. Uh, This case, again, goes back to the 1990s. The uh, judge said this court for 17 years has granted every reasonable deference to the legislative and the executive branches of government to put together a plan. This simply has not occurred for whatever reason. The court's deference is at an end at this point. Well, first of all, Judge David Lee, uh, you have seen incredible increases going towards education since the Republicans have taken over the legislature. And frankly, you would have seen even more had our governor actually signed the budgets that were put before him instead of vetoing it. How many raises did teachers not get because this governor would not sign any of the budgets. Why? Because the Republicans proposed them. If ju- um, This case is devolved into an attempt by politically allied lawyers and the governor to enact the governor's preferred budget plan via court order, cutting out the legislature from its proper and constitutional roles, said Senate Leader Phil Berger of Rockingham and House Speaker Tim Moore of Cleveland County, in a joint prepared statement. They go on to say, if Judge Lee's orders are followed, the legislature's core duty is usurped by an unelected county-level trial judge and an out-of-state consultancy funded by the governor and his political allies. Thankfully, executive branch officials swear an oath to the Constitution, not to an unelected county-level trial judge, the legislative leaders added. A judge does not have the legal or constitutional authority to order a withdrawal from the state's general fund. Now, when this judge gave this order, there was also it was also accompanied by a 30-day stay, in which time... Uh, the legislature will definitely appeal this ruling. 
But here's my question, and, and again, I'm not an attorney. Maybe there's one out there listening who answered this question for me. If this guy doesn't have the authority to do this, then why why don't you just why are they just ignoring it? Why do the taxpayers have to pay to hire an attorney? Because uh, first of all, you, you can't go to Josh Stein because Josh Stein is on the go- uh, the the governor's side on this. He's not gonna he's not gonna do what his job calls him to do. So the taxpayers are going to have to find an additional attorney to go handle this case to ap- appeal this ruling by this judge that doesn't have the authority to make the ruling. So if he doesn't have the authority, then why are we even bothering? Why don't we just ignore it? I realize, okay, maybe I'm being overly simplistic. Uh, Berger and Moore concluded, this is a circus. The only rebuttal to this clear precedent is an absurd theory developed by Josh Stein, which argues that the Constitution— back in 1868, ordered a specific funding level for the education budget in the year 2021, and that only an out-of-state consultancy called West End can divine the precise funding level that the 1868 Constitution ordered. By the way, uh, this organization out of, I think they're out of San Francisco, um, I think they're going to get something like... uh, $2 $2 million is their, is their cut of this deal. Um, meanwhile, the original jurist overseeing the Leandro case, retired Wake County Judge Howard Manning, released a memo on Tuesday questioning Judge Lee's ability to force another branch of government to carry out his order. Quote, reduced to essentials, in my opinion, the children are not being provided the opportunity because after all the millions spent, 90% of school costs are for adult salaries and benefits, and the data shows, as it did years ago, and up to now, the educational establishment has not produced results, Manning wrote. Stein, a Democrat, stepped into the fray on this past Monday issuing a memo to Lee suggesting the judge could legally bypass lawmakers and order the $1.7 billion transfer from the Treasury. Again, you talk about malfeasance. This guy is doing the opposite of what he is supposed to do. He did it back last year when he usurped the legislature when it came to state election law, and now he's doing it again. The very people he ought to be defending, he's working against. This is unbelievable. I mean, and again, I don't want to use the word anarchy frivolously, but when you begin to ignore the rule of law, it's anarchy. It's, it's, a, it's a dictatorship. I mean, our, our way of life, our rule of law only works if we recognize that our constitutions, our state constitution and our federal constitution, that is our law. It, it is not a, an individual. It's not the president. It's not the governor. It's not the attorney general. It's the constitution. That's how we are to run our governments. And as Berger and Moore said, fortunately, we've got a legislature that will follow the constitution. They took a vow to the constitution and the following the constitution. Our governor, this judge, And Josh Stein, not so much. Unbelievable. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about on this Veterans Day, and we'll play political trivia in just a little bit. Stay with us. More coming up. 
Make Veterans Day more than just a thank you. Honoring our veterans for their sacrifice and selflessness. The land of the free, because of the brave, we thank you. Happy Veterans Day from Tom, Benny, and Producer Clark. Now, back to news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is November 11th, 2022, 2021. I just lost a whole year there. I think I was just, you know, I want to get to the midterms. <laughs> Come on, man. I know. Well, Joe, your time is up. A hundred years ago today, in 1921, President Warren Harding dedicated the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. 103 years ago, 1918, World War I ended on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. General Irwin Parkleton called it the war to end all wars. Of course, today is Veteran Day. Your weather forecast, a chance of showers tonight, a low around 62. Chance of rain tonight, 80%. Tomorrow morning, showers likely. They'll dissipate as the uh, late morning gets here. Uh, chance of rain in the morning is about 60%. Tomorrow's high is 73. Tomorrow night, clear around 48 for the low. Saturday's high will be 69 then Saturday night, uh, some colder weather comes in. Saturday night, the low gets down to 37. Sunday's high is only 58. Sunday night, mostly clear with low around 39. Can you believe it's 14 days to Thanksgiving? I hate to, I hate to shock you all, but, I, I mean, we're two weeks away from the holidays. I mean, really, the holidays start basically, you know, you get the outside lights up and that kind of stuff. Two weeks from today is Thanksgiving. Get ready for it. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. They boast an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Come see the newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse, the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. And for a limited time, you can join Ironwood and pay zero initiation fee. Listen, if you're looking for Christmas gifts, stop by the pro shop. You know, people are saying, hey, we can't find stuff to give. I mean, first of all, the shelves are empty. Well, here's a gift we guarantee you will be there when you go to buy it, and that is gift certificates at Ironwood for round of golfs or rounds of golf or uh, golf lessons with John LaMonica, one of the best pros in eastern North Carolina. Stop by or give them a call, 752-4653, 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. A federal appeals court today temporarily blocked the National Archives from releasing White House records to the House January 6th Select Committee after attorneys for former President Donald Trump filed an emergency motion. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit granted the stay that Trump's lawyers requested while they appeal a lower court ruling that the former president cannot keep such documents secret by claiming executive privilege. It's an ordered... It's an, uh, it is ordered, rather, that an administrative injunction be entered and appellees, the National Archives and Records Administration, and the archivist be enjoined, in other words, you can't do this, from releasing records requested by the House Select Committee over which appellant asserts executive privilege pending further order of this court. You know, this is uh, really, I think, rather interesting um, how this select committee. And by the way, it is very much a select committee. Uh, if you go back and remember, it was um, Queen Nancy who decided who who could serve and who couldn't serve. 
not a equitable committee, a select committee selected by uh, Queen Nancy herself. Um, what's interesting, though, is this January 6th commission is all about the infiltration of the U.S. Capitol by American citizens who strongly felt that there were certain people in high places that were usurping the will of the citizens. And I think that's pretty much how it happened. Perhaps it happened by fraud in the last general election, but most assuredly by promoting a false narrative accusing Trump and his administration of colluding with the Russians. And it's becoming more and more evident that there was collusion, but it wasn't by Donald Trump. It was by the Clinton campaign. And individuals knew then, such as Adam Schiff and others, knew that they were lying about it. And those involved in it were lying, trying to cover their butts. To them, people like um, Peter Strzok, to them, the ends justified, justified the means. The Steele dossier alleged that Trump colluded with the Russians to win the 2016 election, claimed that the Kremlin had blackmail material on the former president, the dossier was central to the Democrats' attempt to tie Trump to the Russians, attempts to influence the election. Several Democrats, including House Intelligence Committee Adam Schiff, consistently promoted the infamous dossier. Schiff avidly defended the document. By the way, he was on The View this week, and he continued to, to try to defend the document and, and what he did and what others did and said. Unilateral subpoenas issued by the House Intel majority appear to be part of an effort to discredit Steele rather than determine the truth of the dossier, Schiff tweeted back in 2017. Another boisterous voice publicized and debunked the uh, dossier was Ted Lieu of California, who promoted the bad intelligence on social media up through this year. Lou claimed in 2019... Over time, more and more parts of the dossier have been corroborated, something that's not happened with the debunked dossier. Um, Well, here in recent weeks and months with the John Durham report coming out, obviously the dossier was total fiction. Mr. Durham, in the least, should question Clinton, Obama, and Biden about what they knew and when they knew knew it. That from Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton, uh, and he's right. I mean, the more we find out about this, the higher up the ladder it's taking us. It's also now been affirmed, according to two well-placed sources, and we found this out earlier this week, that Jake Sullivan, President Biden's White House National Security Advisor, is the foreign policy advisor referred to in this indictment of former Hillary Clinton presidential campaign lawyer Michael Sussman. In addition to that, special counsel John Durham's investigation has revealed deep ties between a Russian uh, national, Igor Danchenko, who contributed to the Steele dossier and longtime associate of the Clintons, Chuck Dolan. Dolan's ties to the Clinton family go back decades. He was a state chair for Clinton's 92 and 96 presidential campaigns. Clinton then appointed him to serve on an advisory commission in the State Department. Years later, he was an advisory for Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign and actively campaigned in Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. So here's my question. Why is the January 6th commission not investigating 
the underlying cause for why people protested on January 6th. Now, the vast majority of the people who weren't part of the FBI or weren't part of Antifa, the vast majority simply went in to the Capitol, didn't do any destruction. Now, some did, and they all need, they should be held accountable, but, but most did not. Nonetheless, you have to ask your, yourself the question, when, when, as we find out more and more how this president was robbed of his ability to have an administration that was not constantly being attacked and was being attacked with agencies of our government, the FBI at top of the list. Why is the January 6th Select Committee why aren't they investigating the people that incited the riot? If you want to call it a riot, who incited the riot? And I would maintain these people right here in the Clinton administration that are now being found guilty. They're the ones that caused it. Did they, did they force the people to go in there? No. But you know what? You rile, you stir the pot, you keep poking it, you keep poking at it. People react. Isn't that interesting that Antifa and BLM riots in 2020 and the burning of cities, the action of those rioters is justified. Why? Because fentanyl Floyd, one man taking the life of George Floyd. Here we have multiple individuals at the highest level of our government abusing power, literally conducting, they tried to conduct a coup on Donald Trump and the Trump administration and our government. And the indignation of the protesters on January 6th is not given any hint of justification. So the people that rioted, they were justified because of what happened to George Floyd. That's fine. They can riot. They can burn all because of George Floyd. But the people that were totally irritated about what happened to Donald Trump, they, 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 and listen, I'm not trying to necessarily justify those that went in and caused damage. But if you're going to justify the rioters, can we consider justifying those people that were so irritated at what happened to Donald Trump? And again, we're finding out every day, it's a whole lot clearer that Donald Trump got the raw end of the deal. Hey, let's... Uh, Play political trivia, shall we? Let's lighten things up a little bit. 561-8255 is the number. Give us a call. Political trivia, your category, Veterans Day. Got a good prize package. 561-8255, political trivia, when we get back. All right, welcome back. It is Political Trivia, 561-8255. Got a line or two open. Give us a call, 561-8255. Of course, area code's 252. Your category today, Veterans Day, naturally. Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. 
a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food. A $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aiden. Delicious, baked, fresh, made-from-scratch goodies. A gift card from University PC Care. And a gift certificate to the Ironwood Country Club. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family has won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. 561-8255. Let's go to the lines. We have Thomas on the line. Hey, Thomas. Good afternoon. You ready to play? Oh, yeah. All right, here you go. Your Veterans Day is your category. Here's your question. All right. Today we celebrate Veterans Day, originally called Armistice Day, celebrating the end of World War I back in 1918. Now, between the years of 1968 and 1978, the celebration of Veterans Day had a much different feel to it. Why? What was different about Veterans Day during those years? Um, let's see. Did they not celebrate it during October? Uh, of course, October. Say that again? They celebrated maybe during October, like I think the fourth, uh, fourth Monday. You got it. Oh, <laughs> you got it right out oh, of the shoot. Well. Yeah, in 1968, right. Veterans Day was changed to the fourth Monday of October. The idea was to create another three-day weekend. In 78, it was reverted back to the original Armistice Day, the 11th day of the 11th month, the 11th hour. Congratulations, Thomas. Thank you. Hang on the line, and Clark's going to get your info. And uh, sorry for those on hold. Thomas beat you to the punch. Stay with us. I'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations, Thomas Mazell. He knew it. Uh, back in uh, 1968, Veterans Day was switched over to October fourth monday of october and it was switched back to uh, november 11th on uh, 1978 november 11th 1978 yeah, that this is definitely one of those holidays like christmas you know the certain holidays y- y- you can't move to a three-day weekend i mean there's there's too much significance in uh, veterans day so we were talking yesterday how nick sandman sued CNN and the Washington Post and uh, ended up getting big bucks because they defamed the young man. CBS might have stepped in it earlier today. CBS News tweeted that Kyle Rittenhouse had told the jury during his trial that he had murdered two men. They put this out in a tweet, and there's screenshots of it. They removed the tweet after there was significant pushback, significant pushback. And uh, but nonetheless, there are a number of people that have taken CBS to task. So uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, at the end of the day, very well might find out that um, CBS has done him a favor. We'll see. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how many lawyers line up to uh, sue CBS, on behalf of Kyle Rittenhouse. The voice for ESPN has just walked into the studios. Hello, Tom. Patrick Johnson. Come come grab a microphone real quick We're here. Sports show on right now, Tom. Well, what, are you on a break? Grab a mic. Turn, turn this. I, I don't know. Which mic is that? Can you turn it on there, Clark? Someone's coming here 
you. Yeah, there he is. Yes. I'm over the logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the magic of radio right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing Joe Dooley. Oh, on the, the magic of radio. I, I, I mean, they, hey, the Pirates pulled it out the other night. It was uh, a little long. Ugly, and, and, but a win. Yeah, it was a win, so it wasn't too ugly. But I, I'm more curious. Uh, Patrick Johnson, of course, has a, he's on our sister station, 94.3. And starting Monday. That's right. You're the new co-host for uh, Talk of the Town. Yeah, replacing Trent McGee, yeah. who has uh, got a big promotion over at the uh, Chamber of Commerce. So congratulations. I wanted that Trent. job because he told me he told me about the oh, cash. Oh, it's the big bucks. Oh, listen, when you work for Henry, you might. No, I'm talking about I wanted Trent's job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Nobody's going to believe the Henry story. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. How, how was it uh, doing the ESPN the other night? It was fun. Yeah? yeah? You know, I've done a little bit of that before, and as you know, I've done other Oh yeah, telecast and all that. So it was good. Cy Seymour made it a joy. Oh, good, good. Yeah, Cy did the radio. Was the radio analyst for ECU basketball? Yeah, for like almost a quarter century. And he wanted to get off the road. I was actually at that game. I was sitting way way behind you. Not right. And uh, your nose was bleeding a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. But uh, my my grandsons had a big time. Did they have a good time? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, listen, they won and they got to eat plenty of popcorn, so it was all all good. You think you're going to go tomorrow night, or probably not? You know, Maryland's playing tomorrow. Oh yeah. So Terps uh, are pretty good. Well, they're ranked 21st, I think, in the nation. So uh, we'll see. But but I'll I'll flip back and forth. I've got ESPN Plus. All right. I'll have a chance to actually listen to you. Oh, you will? Air. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then they play Sunday, ECU does as well. Well, my so favorite Sunday. It's camp. a huge weekend of Pirate Athletics. Yeah. I, I mean, well, yeah. Because then big Saturday, time. you know, really big. I know Mike Houston didn't want to talk about what's going on with the bowl game. and But, yeah. it's, but the, you know, you win, you are bowl eligible. So that's very big. I would assume Memphis is favored in the. Uh, they are by five, point. five and a half, six points. Okay. That's fairly close. Let me tell you what, Tom. Uh, you. John Moore and the other student. I'm just I'm I'm a nobody compared to you, yeah. veteran broadcasters. <laughs> Some amazing stuff going on here tonight. Oh my! Yeah, Patrick is just sort of wandering up and down the halls looking for something to do. Yeah, more or less, yes, because <laughs> of the magic of radio. Good to see you. Tom. Yeah, good to see you, Patrick. Thanks for, stop, oh. thanks for stopping in. There you go. Don't break the mics. <laughs> so John Kerry, the U.S. climate uh, climate envoy was accused by online critics of brushing aside a question about reports of slave labor in China. Now, this is this is an unbelievable story. So he's over talking at the summit climate in Glasgow, Scotland. And by the way, how many weeks does this summit go on? <laughs> this thing has been going on for at least two weeks now. So Kerry's over there. And yesterday, after he makes a speech or does something, who knows what he's doing over there, he's, there's a Q&A time. He's holding a press conference. A reporter mentioned, talking about, you know, how he's working with China. I mean, that, that's a total joke, how John Kerry is working with China trying to reduce the carbon. Uh, do, you think, do you think China gives an iota about <laughs> what kind of pollution they're putting out? I don't think so. And if you go over and visit China, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. China and Indy, India, it is just smog city all over the place. Literally, you can cut it with a knife. But anyway, during the Q&A, he was asked about a contentious issue like the use of forced labor in China to build solar panels. Here it is. How in, your, in the several months of meetings uh, behind the scenes with China, did you bring up some of those very contentious issues 
um, such as use, the use of forced labor in Xinjiang for, uh, for building solar panels. How did you address it, and how did you kind of overcome that in reaching this final? Well, we're honest. We're honest about the differences, and we certainly know uh, what they are, and we've articulated them. And, but that's not my lane here. That's uh, my job is to be the climate guy. He said with a chuckle. This is unbelievable. So he didn't he didn't disagree that they were using slave labor, which they are to build these solar panels. But in other words, he says, who cares if there are concentration camp like conditions as long as I get my job done as the climate guy? Now, please note, these are the same people. John Kerry and his ilk are the same people who want to destroy the United States because over 150 years ago, we had slavery in this country. We had slavery. You know, this is, this is almost like the attitude of those people who looked the other way in Nazi Germany. You know, they, they, they say that there are certain places in Nazi Germany that they knew what was happening to the Jews, but they just looked the other way. They just pretend it wasn't happening. You know, that's not in my lane. Uh, slave labor and his response is, that's not in my lane. My job is to be the climate guy. The Washington Post reported in August that the United, St- United States had blocked the imports of solar panels from at least three Chinese companies, reasonably indicating the use of forced labor. But that's not in his lane. But, you know, it's, it's more than just working with the Chinese on the climate situation and the fact that they're using slave labor to build these solar panels. It gets a whole lot more dicier than that for John Kerry. He needs to answer for something else. Earlier this week, the Washington Free Beacon reported U.S. Customs and Border Protection last week seized imports from a Chinese company backed by an investment group in which John Kerry holds a, ready for this, a $1 million stake. Kerry and his wife are invested in Hill House China Value Fund. Part of the Hill House Investment Group is a top shareholder in a Chinese solar panel company that works with companies known to use forced labor. So, John, it is in your lane, buddy. But this is unbelievable. The hypocrisy of these liberals. Again, the the ends just uh, the ends just uh, the means ends, uh, justify the ends. It doesn't matter. Or the ends justify the means. I had it right the first time. Uh, these these hypocritical liberals. But boy, hey, something that happened in this country 150, 200 years ago, we still need to take America down. We need to take them down for that. We need to pay reparations for what happened 200 years ago. But John Kerry, when it comes to what is happening today, what is happening today with forced labor over in China, the uh, Uyghurs are being forced to work in basically concentration-like conditions. Go over there and see if you can tour one of these... uh, places where the Uyghurs are forced to work. I don't think you're going to get a tour. 
Town Hall is reporting the National School Board Association actively engaged with the White House and other federal departments prior to sending its controversial letter to President Biden. New freedom of information requests by parents defending education reveal these uh, actively engaged give and take. An October 12th memo details the timeline leading up to the letter that requested federal assistance to deal with parental threats against school boards, which the group argued could be equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism. You know, this is so so this this, you know, they, they act like, oh, this it took us all by surprise. No. They were they were behind the scenes colluding together. They love that word colluding. Well, let's use it against them. The National School Board, the Biden White House, and the Biden Justice Department were all colluding together to figure out how can we take out these parents. National School Board President Viola Garcia said the organization has been actively engaged with the White House, Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Education, the Surgeon General, and other federal agencies prior to the September 29th letter. That letter prompted Merrick Garland to mobilize the FBI to work with federal, state, and local enforcement agencies to target parents engaging in what claimed to be threatening conduct. Unbelievable. Uh, We said we can get all these agencies together. We can get them all together to collude against parents, to go after the parents. But we we can't keep our border safe. By the way, a Virginia mom has been blocked from entering her son's public high school library weeks after she complained about books in the collection being pornographic, according to a new report from Fox News. Stacey Langton told the Washington Examiner Monday that the Fairfax principal Maureen Keck told her she was not allowed to enter the library anymore. One day after checking out a book with her son, Langdon said she got a call from Keck telling her that parents were not allowed in the library, that this was school policy. So I think she probably uh, didn't vote for uh, Youngton, do you think? Youngkin? Uh, I think she probably voted uh, for the Democrat, just saying, because uh, Democrats don't think that parents should be involved in their children's education, right? Unbelievable. Uh, By the way, up in Vermont, uh, it is now required... By, by the Vermont legislature signed by the governor. And by the way, this was done by Republicans. It is required that schools disseminate condoms for students in the 7th to 12th grade. It's required. Unbelievable. Hey, thanks for being with us. Our congratulations again to uh, Thomas Mazzell, our political trivia winner. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.